Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What the hell is up, everyone? This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm your host, Elliot Clough. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We got a good one ahead of us. Kevin Berrios of the Bird Rights is stopping by today. He's also been on the Bird Calls podcast. He's a regular over there with Preston Ellis, David Grubb, and Ollie Cosell, all former guests here on Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Kevin's been doing some great stuff with them. He stays incredibly informed. He's recently put together an article for the Bird Rights as well. So Kevin was an awesome guest for us today. We talked about Zion, his fitness, how he got so fit so quick. We reminisce on his best moments from this season because it is or was his birthday yesterday. We talked about Lonzo's extension and even more. So it was a fun one. You don't want to miss this episode with Kevin Barrios of the Bird Rights and the Bird Calls podcast. So here is my conversation with Kevin. And we're joined by Kevin Berrios of The Bird Rights. And, of course, he's been on The Bird Calls as well. Kevin, a busy man, recently putting together an article for The Bird Calls. And he was also on this most recent episode, or excuse me, put an article together for The Bird Rights and was on this most recent episode of The Bird Calls. So doing a lot in his Pelicans coverage. Kevin, we really appreciate you stopping by. How you doing today, man? I'm doing okay. I'm having a little trouble with my voice and coughing today, so I apologize in advance for any issues with that. But other than that, it's good. Just um, stayed home working on some design projects that I got going on and uh, excited to be on your show. Awesome. We Again, we really appreciate you coming on and very excited for this one. We haven't had Kevin on before. We just had Chris Connor, our first repeat guest from Bird Rights, but Kevin, a first-time guest for us. He does some awesome stuff with the Bird Rights and the Bird Calls. If you missed that last episode of the Bird Calls, <laughs> there was some interesting content on there, but but it was it was some good Pell stuff too. So uh, first off, you agreed with me in our the Bird Rights group chat. The NBA shouldn't continue the rest of their season. Now, I've talked about this on Twitter, and we did with Chris Connor last week. I want to make it clear that my biggest concern about the remainder of the season is the traveling to the bubble, not being at the bubble because the NBA is doing basically all they can to make sure there's as little travel in and out as possible. So, so in the bubble, I think it'll be pretty safe, but my concern is everybody getting there, a positive test happening or a positive case happening in person's asymptomatic. We just don't know about it. 
what are what are your biggest concerns about continuing the remainder of the season? Well, I mean, I've always been against it. Like I said many times, I'm definitely going to watch it if it happens. It's not like I'm not I'm going to protest it or boycott it. But I don't think it's a good idea. I I think there's a lot of health issues at play. The one you just discussed is is uh, very important, obviously. Um, getting contaminated on the way to the bubble, things like that. I'm very concerned about hurricane season causing the bubble to have to move or evacuate. Um, and then what happens with that? You know, then do they have to quarantine again? And then you can't really do that because the next season is right up on, on its heels. Um, so that's a big concern of mine. And also uh, mental health concerns. I mean, you know, just being in isolation away from your family and all. I mean, we all know how tough this has been for us in lockdown, but we have the people that we live with, you know, our family here. We're in our own homes. Um, we're not stuck in a hotel room. Um, so it's it's a lot different. It's a, it's a lot to deal with, and I just think it's it's not the smartest move. And I, I think it's just built on so many layers of sand that one thing collapsing can cause the whole thing to come down. And I think it's gearing up to cause a bit of embarrassment for the league if they can't finish this or somebody gets sick and has some serious issues from it. Especially, you know, like people act like, oh, well, these guys are young and then they're in great shape and all of this stuff, so they'll bounce back uh, quickly even if they do get sick. But we've seen cases of people developing blood clots. And, I mean, we have a guy on our team, Brandon Ingram, who's had issues of blood clots in the past, so that's worrisome and how that could affect him. And then myself, I talked about this on the Bird Calls podcast. I uh, got aluminum poisoning when I was like 23, I think, or 24, and it, I didn't know what it was at first, and I just was couldn't breathe. I couldn't walk from the back of my house to the front of my house without being completely out of breath. I'd be laying in bed gasping for air there. I was like, Several times I really thought I was going to die. And I coughed so much that I burst blood vessels in my chest. So I had like this, this giant uh, bruise in the center of my chest. And the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. Finally, they sent me to a lung specialist. He figured it out. And I have uh, scarification in my lungs. I have these spots in there from it. And uh, I've never been the same since. So, you know, I don't think it should be taken lightly that, this is a disease that does cause lung scarification and could have long-term impacts for these guys uh, going forward. So I think they're making a huge sacrifice. I know they're getting paid a lot of money, but, you know, it's not like one of those situations where, like, you're an offshore worker or a, or something like that where you agreed to this kind of lifestyle and this and these risks when you signed up. They didn't agree to that when they signed to this job, you know. So uh, I think it's a big sacrifice for them to go play, and I think we should respect them a lot for that sacrifice and, you know, not be critical of performance and things like that, because these are really tough situations that we're putting them in to provide entertainment for us. Right. And now yesterday, I guess yesterday, as we're recording this, the Bucks practice facility got shut down. The Clippers has already been shut down as well. I just, I mean, I tweeted it. It got a little bit of traction on Twitter. I just don't know how the NBA can go about this and remain believing that they're on this high moral ground. It's obviously about money. There, there's no other way to put it. I mean, having this second bubble makes it even more clear. I talked about it on an earlier podcast. I think this second bubble idea might be the dumbest thing that I've heard to date. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I agree that it's it's mainly about money, but I, I also feel like there's some legacy involved in it too. Um, I think they want to have they don't want to have a season that didn't end. They want to be able to crown a champion. A lot of guys that are in like good position to become champions want to have that opportunity. So there is that side of it as well. And I, I'm sure there is some sense of also wanting to give back to fans that support them and are there for them all the time. So providing that entertainment for us while we're going through all the things we're going through. And then also I think some of the players really believe that can, you know, reach people um, through their platform, um, you know, dealing with, with civil issues that we're dealing with right now in America. So I think there's a lot of reasons, but obviously the bottom line is, is the money, and I don't think that should be the defining reason of this, especially when you're putting people at risk. And, you know, I'm in agreement with you on your stance. I think the second bubble is ridiculous. I mean, these eight teams have nothing to play for. You know, nobody's – I mean, I guess people will watch it. Their fan bases will watch it. But it's it's not like there's a huge demand to see the eight worst teams in the league enter a tournament. You know, it's like the NIT for the NBA. It just doesn't really make much sense. That's a really good way of putting it. I mean, at least at the NIT, there are, you know, you can get those mid-major schools in there that had a good season. Maybe that'll be a little reputable for them. I mean, I just, the thing for me about this is they have to incentivize it some way, but how do they incentivize winning with the worst teams in the league? Like if a team finishes out the remainder of that second bubble, say the war, I mean, this isn't going to happen, but say the Warriors are like, hey, Steph and Clay and Draymond are all healthy, and this is a chance for us to get the first overall pick, lock it up by winning, they're going to run away with it. I, I just, and this, that's obviously hypothetical, I highly doubt it, but how do you incentivize teams playing their best players in a situation like that where they're not going to make the playoffs, this does nothing for them going forward, I, I just don't see how that'll work. Yeah, I mean, the only way to incentivize it is to be what you said, where the winner of this tournament gets the first pick in the draft, but you can't really put that on those players. And, you know, when you're trying to say like, Hey, you don't have to come play if you don't want to play. Um, but then you create this, this tournament that, you know, is vital now becomes vitally important to the franchise you play for. And you feel this pressure to come play for no, which should be no reason, but now they built in an incentive to get a first round pick. Um, it just doesn't make sense. And then otherwise, if they don't, do that if they don't give that incentive of like we're going to rank the bottom of the draft from first second third how you finish here that's how you're going to pick you know in the reverse order I mean um, then there's there's no reason for those teams to go and risk winning and, and making their odds worse at getting a, a higher draft pick so there's really absolutely no point to it other than to generate another another revenue dream just because the season was cut short, people's seasons get cut short all the time. Those teams like that are in that position, usually by the end of the year, they're giving up anyway. You're seeing them play 10-day guys, guys they signed at the end, resting their starters because there's nothing to play for and you're trying to get a better draft pick. So it's just it's just a bad situation and it doesn't make much sense at all. I just, like even in situations where they were to incentivize that, I just don't think the the draft pick is necessarily worth it. I mean, you're really going to put D'Angelo Russell and and Cat out there. You're going to put uh, Trey Young out there. You're going to put Colin Sexton, who could be the future of the Cavs, out there. It just 
it doesn't add up in my mind's eye. I don't know how that that works out. I don't know how they incentivize that, and I don't know how they get these fan bases riled it up enough to, you know, put more money forth in order to, you know, buy merchandise. Obviously, they can't buy tickets right now, but it just the whole thing collectively just doesn't make much sense to me. Anyway, to move forward on today's pod. It is Zion's 20th birthday as we're, we're recording this. This will be up tomorrow, of course, on Tuesday. But to start off, we're going to talk a few things about, about Zion here. Do you have a favorite moment from this season in his 19 games from Zion? I've got three right off the top of my head, but I want to hear yours before we, before we address mine. This is the easiest answer for me. Um, <laughs> you, you, uh, you don't live in New Orleans, right? No, I don't. Okay, yeah, so... I do. I'm a season ticket holder. So his first game against San Antonio, the first half, I mean, the crowd was wild. It was exciting, but he, he didn't have that great of a performance in the second half. I mean, in the first half. And then he came out in the second half, and he started just banging threes. And I'll never forget the energy in the arena. I've talked about this on the Bird Calls podcast with the guys before we discussed this. It was like, I don't know how to describe it, but the air in the arena was like crackly. Like you could feel energy in the air. It was so insane how how, how much the crowd was reverberating <clears throat> with his performance as he docked down each three. It was just unbelievable. Like, it, you know, I've been to the last few playoff series games. The Portland series was wild. There was a ton of energy in in that arena. Also, uh, the year that um, the final game of the of the season where we played the Spurs to be able to get into the playoffs and play uh, Golden State in the first round, um, that that game was very intense and the the crowd was wild and you could feel energy in the air. But it, it was nothing like that second half of that first Zion game. It was just like nothing I had ever really felt before, and you could just see everybody was nobody wanted to sit down. You could see like the goosebumps on everybody neck and arms their hair standing on end it was just an unbelievable feeling and i don't know if i'll ever forget it i was gonna say that that's obvious i that's gotta be everybody's top choice for zion right and, and that's crazy that it's his debut that was like uh an march madness atmosphere I, I mean the nba doesn't get that type of thing in whatever game it was like their 40th game of the season that just doesn't happen in the nba in the middle of the season, it doesn't happen. And Zion brought that. And just, I mean, like you said, I don't think I've ever seen the Smoothie King Center like that before. It's absolutely wild. Now, I've got two, I guess, three other ones that really stick out to me in Zion's 19 games that he's played so far this season. The first one is a little bit small, but it's just indicative, and it's kind of the same for the second one as well, just indicative of the zero fear that Zion shows in the NBA, jumping from Duke to the NBA. Right before the All-Star break, this dude went at Steven Adams in their matchup with the Thunder. Like he and Steven Adams is like the biggest, one of the biggest guys, one of the most probably feared guys down low in the NBA. And Zion just went at him, bullied him down low. And then ripping the ball away from Giannis in their matchup with the Bucks. That was just it's so it, it <laughs> he's just showing us who he is, showing us the the lack of fear. I mean, there's no other way to really put it. And then all just collectively Lonzo's lobs from behind half court. I mean, you just got to drool watching those things. Yeah. It's crazy how many moments he's had in just 19 games. And I mean, even like you were talking about the Giannis, but what about the summer league? 
that that steal of the ball, ripping it out of the guy's hands and just dunking on him. And then there's an earthquake, you know, <laughs> that, that, that was just incredible. Um, so, I mean, I, I just, I can't wait for, you know, the, the Zion era to continue and, and to, you know, hopefully him to finish his career here. You know, we don't know how things are going to work out, but um, it's going to be fun while we have him for sure. Now, coming to where we're at right now we've seen the pictures of zion how absolutely shredded he is the work aaron nelson has done with him what do you make of all this do you think he's going to make other nba players look like little boys when he returns do you think he's going to be rusty what do you think that this lean zion means for the remainder of the nba season yeah i mean they're in trouble like i you know when he was at duke i i was calling him wide drexler like you know is just a chunky kid that could glide through the air. And, and I mean, he I know he was more than that, but it was just like a funny pun. But now he's like, I call him uh, Braun Kemp because he's, you know, ripped. And, and just, he just has that power, you know, like that that first play in summer league, it reminded me so much of like Orlando era Shaq, you know, like just he's so quick. He has such good ball skills. And now he's just, and he was already so strong. Now he's lost that weight. He's probably moving better, probably feels better on his knees, and and he's probably stronger, you know. And so that's just something that I, I'm excited to see it. He's, he's such an interesting player because he's like, you know, I think he's going to change. I think he's going to be one of those guys that changes the NBA where, you know, like Shaq was a guy that changed the NBA. And in my opinion, it was a little bit for the worse because, it's no discredit to Shaq. It's, it's credit to his dominance. It was uh, it, nobody had an answer for Shaq. So you started to all, just start seeing all these teams collect terrible, huge guys to put in the middle to try to do something against them, and they just couldn't do it. But I think it's going to be the same thing with, with Zion because the league is so perimeter oriented now. But now you put a guy like that with that strength, with those ball skills, with that quickness and that just that power and athleticism. And if he starts really developing in his, his footwork, you know, David Grubb, uh, uh, like a while ago, mentioned like that it would be great if, if uh, Zion started watching Bonzi Wells tape and pick up some of his post moves mm-hmm. because Bonzi was a, was incredible down low. And the, and you're talking about Bonzi was basically a guard or a small forward for most of his career. So you you get Zion down there and work on his footwork. I don't ever want to see him stretching out to the three point line let's just face everybody else around him and put him in the middle and just nobody can have an answer for that. And you just dominate. You just have the, the right kind of guys on the outside, catch and shoot guys, guys that can defend guys that can pass enough um, and just let them destroy things down low. And I think that's good. You're going to start to see that change the league. I mean, we've already seen it. I always, I thought it was interesting over the last few years, big men were getting drafted really high. Um, early on in the draft, even though it's such a perimeter league. So there's got to be some point where those guys like Marvin Bagley and uh, Aiton and guys like that, I mean, you've seen it, Embiid and, uh, of course, Giannis, but, like, those guys become the stars again, and we start drifting away from um, guards and and wings, you know, because everything's cyclical. So I think it's now coming around to these big guys, but they're more interesting big guys because they have the ball skills of guards. Um, so um, I'm looking forward to that because I, I, I do enjoy post play a lot and it was kind of lost for a while, but I think it's about to come back. 
there's got to be a benefit though to making Zion's game a little bit more holistic, right? You know, we got Fred, Fred Vincent on the coaching staff, and he's done wonders for Zoe's jump shot. He's also helped with Brandon Ingram. You th- you know that's got to help out a little bit, right? I mean, I'm not opposed to him taking a jump shot when it's the best shot. But think about this: if you are a coach on the other team, and what, what do you want Zion to do? Well, you, you would love to have him take outside shots. You give him every outside shot he wants, even if he's shooting 38% from three, take it. Cause I can't do, I can't stop you in the post and almost, you know, a, a good portion of your post uh, scoring is going to lead to hand ones anyway. So you're going to be at the line. So uh, I, I just don't really care if he ever develops much of an outside shot because if he starts taking it, that's what that's what the opposing team wants, and you don't want to play into what the opposing team wants. You want to be what really makes you truly dominant because he's not going to be truly dominant from the three point line. He's going to be dominant at the basket. I mean, we are look at his numbers already at the basket. It's ridiculous. His efficiency around the rim, not really seen anything like it in years. You know, touche. And you know, I mean, referencing that pellet or the the debut for Zion, the game against the Spurs they do have to respect his jump shot at least to a degree. I mean, at least to the point where they have to meet him out there and not just let, and not just sag off like they would Shaq. So, and you're going to put one guy on him there in the first, you're going to put two and that's going to open up stuff for better shooters and things like that. You know, it's going to just create, you know, right. So, uh, and to boot, you can see that Zion's jump shot is getting a little more fluid based on the tape that we've seen from from uh, practices and stuff like that. So I guess what I'm getting at is that open space for him to get to the to the rim as well, because if you're going to meet him out there, he's too explosive for you to stop him all the way out there. And yeah, you're going to get a little bit of help, but Z- or Zion's athleticism is just otherworldly. So he's going to score at will at the rim. So I- I'm with you as well. Just had to play devil's advocate, you know. Also, yeah, no, and, and, and look, I agree that him having a shot, if you're, having as many weapons as you, you can is obviously a great thing because there's going to be situations where you want him to take the shot and you want him to be comfortable with it. But, you know, I want 80% of his plays to be in the post. But getting back to what you said is, like, if you compare Zion to Frank Jackson, right, I know it's a weird thing to say, but hear me out. <laughs> uh, they're both extremely athletic for their positions. But I feel like Frank's athleticism is wasted because he doesn't have good enough ball ball skills to be able to beat a man from the perimeter to get to the basket, whereas Zion, definitely if he's guarded by a big, has those ball skills to make a, a move to create enough space to then blow by him. Um, so that's, that's um, you know, I, I see your point in, like, having him behind the perimeter and then, you know, making a move to get to the basket and be a very effective weapon. Right. And we saw that with LeBron. Obviously, nobody has had quite the build of of Zion. And, and that's something that Zion can use as he gets older, like LeBron has. It just makes his game that much more, like I said, holistic and threatening. And that's, you know, it, the more he does jump shots as well, the, the less impact that he has on his knees and, and he stays this thin, he'll be able to stay in the league a lot longer as well. So Zion... Recently, we we heard that he is gracing the 2K cover for the next-gen edition of NBA 2K. Now, on Twitter, I got tagged in this 
kind of weird thing that I saw. Our our friend Lebs, who is super involved with the bird rights as well as uh, my personal Twitter and responding to to stuff that we put out. This guy, she she brought it to our attention. Darnell Apelu, I want to say. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that name right. Put together some mathematics and cross-referencing on Twitter. I really don't even know the software that he used or how he put it together. But basically, all the math, if you want to check it out, it is his handle, Darnell Apelu. And you can also just check it out by seeing my replies on Twitter. He says that Zion basically shouldn't have been the cover athlete. So he totaled the amount of mentions of other possible next-gen guys, positive mentions, follower count, and, and some other stuff. Now, first off, I want to hear your reactions on Zion making the cover in itself. And we'll get to that in a second. But what, what are your thoughts on Zion making the cover? Well, obviously, it's great for us and our market and for him as well. You know, it's showing... Although, I mean, Anthony Davis did have a 2K cover before, you know, he shared it with, with players, correct, years ago when he was still here. But it, it's like Zion is proving that you can get endorsements in a small market, which I think is very important. And, you know, Giannis as well, um, which is great. I, I love that those guys are thriving in small markets because I want small markets to thrive in, in this league. So from that aspect, it's great. But it's also telling us that we have a player that, the NBA and that 2K thinks will be the face in, of the new shift in, in um, basketball, you know, and just like what I was saying, like how he's bringing back post-play and dominant post-play, and I think he's going to be one of those guys that causes the game to change, and I think that's what they're thinking as well, and that's why he's getting the next-gen cover, you know, this is what's coming, uh, these dominant post-presences that we haven't seen in forever, and guys with these crazy this crazy athleticism but also guard like ball skills and just this power that you can't contain um so i i think it bodes well for us for sure and it you know it's a great sign for him and for our market that was my thoughts as well i mean he's the next guy in the nba he's going to be the face of the league assuming health assuming uh, that yeah like i said he doesn't get hurt this is a marketing ploy because Zion sells and Zion is just a freak of nature. If I were to go at it from a performance basis, you know, a whole body of work, I'd probably go Luca or Trey in this situation. But I mean, you just can't go to Twitter and, and determine the way you, or the person you want to put on the cover. Is, is that how you feel? Yeah, I mean, look, I wouldn't have a problem if either of the guys you mentioned were on the cover. I, you know, I think especially Luca because he's a little bit more of a, um, you know, he's kind of a guy that's also a very unique player because of his size and his skills and, and things like that. But um, Plus the Mavs success. Yeah. Like I think just those guys, I mean, I'm glad they gave it to Lillard on the, on the, on the current generation. I think he's a great choice for that. Um, I mean, he's the guy that's just a consummate professional, always in the playoffs, always has his team uh, playing hard is just, you know, always in the MVP discussion, you know, well, even if it's just on the outside, but he's always mentioned. And he, he, again, another kind of small market guy, which is good for us, small market fans. But, um, you know, when you're trying to say, like, if when you're launching something that's groundbreaking, something that's going to change the game of gaming, you know, why wouldn't you choose the clear-cut choice of a guy that's going to change the game of the NBA when you're, when you're going next-gen? So, I think it was just like a no-brainer. 
Plus, yeah. that great personality, you know. So, you know, great. a good is a really good kid. So, exactly, right. And, and I mean, this isn't about appealing to the play, the people who are like, "Oh, it's got to be about performance." It's about sales. To to reference that one more time, I mean, and, and Zion Zion sells. That's that's basically it. Like so, the guy complaining about it is going to buy the game anyway. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, everybody buys 2K. If you're going to buy a basketball game, you're going to buy 2K, you know? Right. So your article recently put up on The Bird Rights, to give you the title, you listeners, Love of the Game in a Time of Civil Unrest and Outbreak, A Conversation with Asian Man, Records Mike Park. So a little less conventional article than we usually have on the bird rights great read but it was an interview that you had with with mike park of asian man records to reference the part where you guys talked about the pelicans he said that being as if he were the gm he would trade brandon ingram drew favors and reddick i just, i read that and my jaw just about hit the floor what, what were you thinking when you talked to him and he said that well like Mike and I have been friends for a long time. We go to games together whenever he's in town and he's, he's a very knowledgeable basketball fan and he loves like, he loves building teams and he loves the team that's on the come up. And, and like he's, he was upset. This a window into Mike is that he was upset when the Warriors signed Kevin Durant. Cause it was like, this is too ridiculous. You know, it, it became unsuccessful and meaning he's a Bay area guy. He lives in San Francisco. The Warriors are his team. So he and he like loves guys like Lou Munson and his favorite player is a guy called Larry Smith from the Warriors back in the day who was basically like a, you know like a conservative Dennis Rodman just a guy that collected rebounds and defended. Mike started a fan club for him. They all wore a hard hat uh, ah. to the game and, and like his band Skank, his band Skank and Pickle has a song about Larry Smith. Uh, if you want to go find that, but. <laughs> I'll see if I can find the link on YouTube and put it in the description if I find it. Yeah, yeah. He actually, uh, it's definitely out there because he, he, he uh, on his Instagram, he put, put an Instagram story with a picture to our article and he put, put the little sound clip of uh, Larry Smith on there. Um, I, it's definitely on like Spotify. So, I mean, they were like a pretty big band for like the underground scene that they were in. So you can shoot up and find it anywhere. But um yeah, I mean, I've talked to him about that since we, we didn't have a chance to talk in person for this one because we've both been so busy and our schedules weren't lining up. I mean, he runs a record label and he basically runs it by himself right now because of COVID. He, all his helpers are at home, um, you know, and then uh, he's in like four bands. So he's just, and he has kids and is married. So his life's hectic. And then uh, I got a bunch of stuff going on myself. So um, we did it through email, which I typically don't like doing, but we've, chatted back and forth on, um, you know, and text message about it. And he realizes now, like, oh, yeah, they already have so many picks, you know. Um, so he was just thinking of, like, cashing, cashing out and getting a bunch of picks and then just really building a youth movement around Zion as, as your focus. But, you know, again, like Brandon Ingram's young, and he likes Ingram. It was just, you know, the idea of cashing in on a guy that, may not have a better season than this and get a bunch of assets for them and then building the team exactly how you want around uh, the star and Zion and, and Lonzo. You know, he likes the Lonzo-Zion connection. Um, so, yeah, 
Uh, but I was like, yeah, no, no way, Mike. We don't need, we don't <laughs> need more first round picks. We got, we got enough first round picks. You know, I mean, maybe in a Drew deal, take back a first round pick, but I don't want like a slew of rookies keep coming in when we already have what we need and a ton more coming in already. So if anything, we need to package on to get some like younger vets. Um, and he understands that now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's really excited about the Pelicans. He can't wait to watch him in the playoffs. I mean, I already, that's, I guess that's a Freudian slip in the, in the yeah. tournament to, to get into the playoffs. Yeah. I was just going to say that, that same thing about packaging the pick. So when I read, <laughs> when I read that, I was like, what? But, uh, the, you know, the idea of throwing things together in the way that you desire and, and, making things about potential is always fun. So it's understandable. And he did mention in that article that he likes Lonzo ball, that, that combination of Zoe and Zion is what he wanted to build around. We saw this last week that Lonzo says that on his, he said that on his Instagram story that he wants the max, that he deserves the max. Do you think he deserves the max as we sit right now? I mean, I've said it a lot. I think he deserves Karis LeVert's contract. If we just go and buy by skill set, um, I think that's a fair contract for him. 18, 17, 18 million a year is the right number for what he brings to your team. Now, that doesn't mean I won't pay him the max. If I have to pay him the max, I'm going to pay him the max to keep him. Just because I think he's an 18, 17, 18 million dollar a year player doesn't mean that's what he can't bargain. And like, People go around and like say, well, you know, well, he sh- he should get more than that because you know this guy got that, and I was like, yeah, but that is also a bad contract for that guy. You know, we don't need Lonzo is definitely better than that guy, but that guy got a bad contract for what he is. So I I don't think you should penalize yourself as a team because some bad GM gave a lesser player a, a contract equal to what your player is actually worth. But at the same time. You got to pay people. Lonzo is a very important part of this team. He's a building block for this team. Him and Zion's connection is definitely strong and is definitely something that you can build a team around. And I think that is important to keep him. So if we if it takes the max, give him the max, and I'm not going to be mad about it. But like I said, I think he's realistically an $18 million a year player. We can't reference how – the Pels make deals with how they handled Solomon Hill <laughs> like, or, or a Marisik, you know? Yeah, of course. So I, so know, I think, well, I think Mike I, Conley's making 27 million, or, you know, but yeah, it, but look at now Utah would love to not be on under that contract right now, you know, like, and Mike Conley was a good player for a long time. It's kind of a bad example, I guess, but, you know, you can. I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody off the top of my head that people have said, "Well, this guy makes that, so how can you pay Lonzo this?" And it's like, yeah, but that guy's not very good, and that was an overpay. You know, like um, I, I'm drawing a blank right now. If you can think of any examples, that you know, you can feel free to throw them out there. But I don't think you should, you know, judge based off of what some other guy's making. If that other guy is definitely not worth the contract that he's making, you know? right? And to reference that that. Karis LeVert contract. It's three years, fifty-two point five million, and I love that for for where Zoe is currently at. I think that's a perfect, perfect deal. Me too. Deal. I think that's 
the, that's the right contract for him. I mean, I'd be fine with throwing a fourth year on there for the same rate. I mean, I'm just talking about the yearly breakdown. Three to four years extension is perfect, you know. Right. I mean, he's never – I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to give you 20 points a night, you know. He's not going to be that guy. He's going to run your offense. He's going to hit open uh, catch-and-shoot threes. My main concern with Lonzo and – my main knock on him. I mean, whatever. I, I love him. So it's you know when you whenever you criticize somebody, like people act like you're hating on him. It's not. Everybody has holes in their game. Everybody has things. You know, um, he's an incredible player, and I, and I love Lonzo. But he he suffers a little bit from like he doesn't have that attack mentality. And we started to see it more towards the end of the year, where he would just fly up the court and he would be so fast, like. There's a stat where he's the fastest player of turning turning a uh, defensive rebound into a score um, in the league, and we saw that towards the end of the year. And I and I hope that it's not just a flash in the pan because what we saw earlier in the year and other times throughout his career is that he was hesitant to try to get his own. And I want him to be more aggressive and driving to the rim and creating uh, for himself. And if he does that, then he's definitely a max player. But if he doesn't, then he's carries the bird contract, you know? Right. And confident Zoe is the Zoe that deserves that contract. And we are, he, I, it's just on a steady incline. The more he plays with Zion, I think the more confident he gets and the more likely he is to attack the rim. Even with, I mean, he's just so generous as a basketball player. He's a pass first basketball player. But when you have Zion, who's just going to be a constant threat, and you know that lob is coming, you have to respect the lob. So therefore, Zoe can learn to attack the rim and should learn to attack the rim in a situation like that, have confidence in doing so. Do you think that they should try to extend him this offseason, or do you think they should let him hit the market? Because if he hits the market, I think he's definitely going to get the max. Yeah, I mean, they should talk to him. And if they can lock him up, obviously. I I don't think he's going to want to renegotiate until he hit the open market because I mean why would he? It's like you know we it was like us when when the Anthony Davis trade trade demand came in. Um, you know, we didn't want to do the trade with the Lakers for you know, there's emotional reasons too, but at the time you also like didn't want to handicap what what you could get by limiting yourself to trading in, in that season and dealing with that team. Now we ended up trading with them anyway and it worked out better because we ended up getting the fourth pick and where if we would have sent Anthony Davis during the season that you know the Lakers wouldn't have landed the fourth pick in the draft so it, and and it's the same thing with Lonzo I, I think you know he waits till he has all of his options available and more than likely I mean I would say it's 97% that he's going to sign with us and that we're going to give him that max if that happens but you know the just because we don't agree in this offseason doesn't mean that it's it's no you know it's a, it's over i think it's really just how it's going to play out he's going to want to have his options available which is smart for him and you know i won't definitely won't fault him for that especially you know with the fragility of everything in our world right now i mean i guess there can be an argument the other way for that, where you don't know what's going to happen, so lock in a bunch of money now that's guaranteed. But I, you know, I think I think it's uh, traditionally smarter for him to to wait till he's uh, about to hit the market. And from what we've heard, 
especially recently from Griff. Bi and, and Zoe both want to stick around, but it's just a smart play for Zoe to to make that to to wait till next season, and it's virtually guaranteed that that Brandon Ingram's going to get the max this off season. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there's no doubt. So we hit on this with basically every guest that we have because it is the Pelicans' biggest need going into this offseason. They need a long defensive wing that can guard the 3-4 and preferably not necessarily stop because that's a huge ask to, to stop guys like LeBron Giannis, but to be an irritant to, to make the Pelicans' defense better on that wing position because based on Ollie Cosell's article, if you if you read it, I think it was six weeks ago, a month ago, that said the Pelicans were one of the worst teams in, in terms of defending these guys at that 3-4 position. So the Pels basically need to go into free agency, maybe package up some of the picks that they have to go get somebody for that 3-4 position, play some defense, and be able to hit a jump shot. Because we know that Kenny Hustle cannot hit said jump shot, nor is he fast enough to guard the 3 or big enough to guard the 4. What do you think the Pels should do this offseason in order to fill that hole? Do you think they should go to free agency? Do you think they should trade those picks? Who do you think they should go after? If if I if I could get one player, I would get Mikael Bridges. Like that's who I want on this team. I think I think he's next Chris Middleton. I think he's you know he's like six seven six eight ish. He's got like a seven foot something wingspan, which is ridiculous. He's He's a vers- super versatile defender, guard one through four. Uh, I mean, you can put him on a five and he'll he'll do his best, but, you know, obviously he'll get powered through. He plays the passing lanes really well. His, his shot's not great, but it, get, it keeps improving. His outside shot's not that terrible. And I think he's in a bad situation in Phoenix. Obviously, everybody's in a bad situation in Phoenix for the last, you know, eight years or so. <laughs> But I would love to get him somehow. I mean, I could see possibly a Drew Holiday trade there in the offseason if, if they decide to move on from Drew Holiday because, you know, the Monty Williams connection, the Suns feel like they need to put somebody next to Devin Booker to play with him. And that, that I think that would be a pretty good backcourt there where Devin Booker is more of a point guard. Drew Holiday's the off-ball guard that, you know, handles sometimes but also doesn't need the ball a lot and does all the like the dirty work from the guard position guards the toughest matchup stuff like that as a veteran presence to kind of a young team and then you know if Alvin Gentry is our coach next year you know he likes to go small he wants to play Zion at the, at the five and and you can throw Bridges out there with you know Ingram and Hart and you got some versatile defenders but you know Alonzo of course versatile defenders that can switch around. They can, everybody can rebound. Everybody can play make. Everybody can defend. So I think he's a really interesting prospect for this team, and I would love to see some kind of move that would get him here, whether that's just packaging some picks and salary if needed to go over there or, like, more of a bigger trade where you send Drew Holiday and maybe get, like, you know, Kelly Oubre and, and Mikael Bridges over to make salary work, and then there you go. You got another 3-4 tweener and Oubre to throw it in that spot, too. You know, So I, I think Bridges is really the guy I would target. I mean, I know he's not the more traditional 3-4, and I understand the need for that. He's more of a 2-3, but he definitely plays the 4 a lot in Phoenix, and he can definitely hold his own there, so... I think he just opens up a lot for the team and offers incredible versatility. And I think he's a guy you can bet on 
but keep getting better. And like I said, you know, he has really strong Chris Middleton vibes for me. And I was all in on Chris Middleton early. Like my first article for the bird rights was in 2014. And I proposed a trade for Chris Middleton then. Um, and I see if you go back and look at those rookie years, they're, they're very similar. And I, I just think that, you know, he's a, he's a, he could be a cornerstone, but that's the exact kind of role player guy that doesn't need high usage that does everything you need from him for the team. Bridges is shooting 35% from three and 51% from the field, putting at eight, putting up 8.7 points per game this season. And you said finding lanes, and, I mean, he's got 1.4 steals per game this season, 1.6 last season. So uh, also getting boards to a decent rate, four, four rebounds a game for that three position. That's that's not bad at all. And if the Pels can find a guy that will fill that Chris Middleton role and play uh, – with Zion and Brandon Ingram for a few years to come, I, I certainly don't think that hurts by any means. And he's a Villanova guy. You know, you put him back there with Josh Hart, and, you know, and, and you know how those Villanova guys are smart, gritty, strong defenders. So, you know, I, I just think he fits exactly what this team needs. Exactly. And we're always we're always getting different names for this position. So uh, that's that's a really good, really good thought. Last week with Chris Connor, he told us that he thinks Brandon Ingram should should beef up a little bit more and learn some learn a little bit more of the defensive end of the floor and he could fill that role. So some two new thoughts from from these two guys from the bird rights. Now, in terms of going into free agency. Who do you think? It, let, let's say they want to hold on to Drew, to Drew. Let's say they don't want to make a move like that. Do you think there's anybody in free agency that you would want to go after in, in this sort of position to, to fill that role? I haven't really thought about this that much yet. If you have some names of free agents that are out there, if you want to say those out, I, I, I don't know by pops into my head, but if you okay. miss them. I mean, is it like maybe Marvin Williams is a guy that's not, you know, another veteran presence that can shoot from the outside, rebound, plays defense fairly well. That's a guy I would consider on a cheaper deal. Um, but okay. I see why he would leave uh, Milwaukee if he can stay there. But read me a few more if you got them. Yeah, there's been a few names that I, I kind of turn to and that I will throw out in, in situations like this. So first one that I like because he's younger, he's 27, on a cheaper deal, you don't have to pay him a lot of money, is Mo Harkless. Yeah, I like Mo Harkless. I always like him. And then uh, there are a couple more. Jay Crowder. Uh, I've always loved Jay Crowder. I just I don't I haven't really watched him play much this year, so I don't know if he's like tailed off at all. But I've always really I, that's another guy I wrote um, about us trading for back when he was uh, with Dallas. So yeah, I mean I've always been in. I was hoping Solomon Hill was going to be Jay Crowder, but <laughs> I he was not. No, he was not. I wrote an article saying. I mean, uh, you know, I wrote an article saying that this could be our Jay Crowder and. It definitely was not RJ Craft. <laughs> definitely wrong there. Right. Uh, there's a couple names. They're a little bit more ideal. It'd be situations where Drew would get traded as well, which personally I don't think that the Pels should do this offseason. But a guy like Jeremy Grant would be somebody that I would be okay with with shipping Drew off for. Uh, obviously, that'd have to be a si- sign and trade because Jeremy is going to be a free agent this offseason. Right, right. Yeah, Jeremy Grant's a good player. Yeah, yeah, it's like anybody that doesn't need like high usage and just does like the dirty work or that can or that will space the floor to let Zion play down low, you know. I mean, I think I, I hope also that Melly uh, 
continues to improve and can play that role a lot for us as well, you know. Right. And he was, <laughs> we had this conversation with Will Guillory as well. I believe it was Will who said that Melly was arguably the worst defender that he's ever seen in the NBA. And he's clearly making huge strides on the defensive end of the floor. Do I think he's going to be the guy that we're looking for here to, to body up LeBron, to body up Giannis? I, I don't see that happening. Yeah. I mean, he, there's matchups where he's not going to be able to, you know, make it work, obviously. But he has his limitations, but he's a pretty decent team defender like he showed that towards the end of the season one-on-one on the perimeter he's going to get destroyed or by something <laughs> that's super strong in the post he's going to get destroyed but you know right i mean maybe will might have an agenda though because he he said that um darius miller was going to get all of melly and uh in hearts minutes um in the off season <laughs> on his off season preview so he might be pushing that agenda yeah that's a statement i don't think i've heard that before <laughs> Wow. The other name that I've talked about a little bit, very briefly, and I've been (laughs) talked out of it quite easily as well, Justin Napoli, and I believe, I can't remember who I talked to, it might have been Ollie. We talked about Andre Roberson, just because he's coming off that ACL tear. Um, He was, I mean, he's the guy who's worthless in 2K, but he's an excellent defender in real life, and and I've been swayed off of that just because the dude can't hit a jump shot, and that is such a weakness that, that Kenny Hustle has. Yeah, I mean, like, Roberson is – I feel like he is – with the way the league has gone, he's, you know, 13th man in a rotation now, you know. He's so bad offensively that you're just putting an extra guy in the paint or, or an extra guy on your main score uh, because his defender doesn't have to do anything. And then, you know, also coming back from an injury – how much will that impact what he does incredibly well, which is defend? So, yeah, I, I, I definitely would not go after uh, Roberson. Cameron Berrios, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Does some excellent stuff with the bird rights. Also pairs with Chris Connor to put some articles together. That recent one, uh, the uh, love of the game in a time of civil unrest and outbreak, a conversation with Asian man records, Mike Park. That link will be in the description. I'll see if I can find that uh, that YouTube or that link to that YouTube song or maybe even Spotify link as well. See if we can share some of the work by Mike Park. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today, man. No problem. Thanks for having me, man. And uh, can I just say this too? I, I think if you, I have a, an, art, an old article I wrote pinned to my account right now that I think is worth a, uh, worth a read. It's, um, it's from when we were, it was right after we swept Portland and I wrote an article celebrating Drew Holiday called Drew, Drew Holiday is the Tim Duncan of Allen Iverson. And I think that's the best thing I've written by myself. And it's just a fun read to kind of relive that series a little bit and, uh, you know, have some Drew appreciation because, you know, like I, I, I'm of the mindset that I, I'm not really set in stone on how, what I want to do with him going forward. I see, the benefit of keeping him. I see the benefit of trading him. And, and I love Drew. Uh, so, you know, just a guy that's been bad around at trade talks, it's nice to go back and sort of celebrate him a little bit. So that's pinned to my Twitter profile. It's a pretty fun read, I think, especially if you're here enough to get excited for, like, playoff run basketball. You know, it, it puts you back in that time because that's when I wrote it, right after the Portland series. That link will also be in the description. I'll go find that. I love that title, by the way. That is fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, you joined us. <laughs> Since you joined us, I haven't really been writing much. 
uh, I've been focusing on uh, graphic design work. But I used to write a lot, and uh, that you know that that's kind of the style of stuff that I, I I've written. So I don't I don't know I don't think you're probably too familiar with my writing because I I've only written the Mike Park article this season except for in the off season when Chris and I teamed up and wrote the uh, the Zion and Alvin Kamara Buddy Cop movie. So yeah, you, you might not have seen much of my stuff, but um, I think that's a a good example of my style of writing. All right, I'm excited to read it. And once again, that'll be in the description. So Kevin or at Kevin B for Bounce on Twitter joining us today. Once again, Kevin, thanks so much. Thanks, man. Take care. There you have it, Pels fans. Super fun conversation today with Kevin Berrios of The Bird Rights and a regular guest on the bird calls podcast i'm gonna put that like i said all those links in the description assuming i can find that song about i believe it was larry smith i'm gonna try really hard on that one i'm I'm excited to to see what that song sounds like and then put both of those articles from kevin in the description as well before you go check out those articles make sure you leave a rate and review on this podcast do it that helps us out so much so so much folks we are really, really appreciative of those who do that, and that is going to help us out a ton if you do that. Make sure to leave a rate and a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening on Stitcher as well, you can leave a review over there. Either way, wherever you listen, make sure you subscribe or follow so you can get updates on the podcast when a new one is up. Also, make sure to go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter, E-L-I-O-T-C-L-O-U-G-H. Whenever we interact with Pelicans fans over there, we always make sure to address it here on the podcast to give you your due to, to make this a little bit more long form than we can on Twitter. We tweet out polls so you can engage with the podcast there as well make sure you go follow believe on instagram twitter and facebook and you can check out a plethora of their other podcasts on believe.com or just head over to apple Podcasts, spotify or google play and you can check out some pelicans coverage on fansided's hoops habit website or the bird rights of course from myself kevin barrios former guest chris connor david grubb ollie cosell and preston ellis as well folks if there's two things you take away from these reminders at the end Leave that rate review on Apple Podcasts and go follow at Elliot Clough, E-L-I-O-T-C-L-O-U-G-H on Twitter. Those are two ways you can interact with the podcast and let us know how you're feeling, what your thoughts are, and if there's anything you want us to discuss here on the podcast. Once again, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. Check out those articles from Kevin and I am Elliot Clough and this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.